Now I'm nervous. Okay, three, two, and hey, what's up, guys? I am so happy to see you. Welcome to Lives of the Party. Welcome to the new set of Lives of the Party. I've been working very hard the last few months. I'm sorry I've been very busy with a lot of other things, but it doesn't matter. We're here now, and it's time to get into it. So, yes, I'm real. I wasn't just a voice speaking out, and, you know. It's cute, too. Ah, thank you, thank you. Behind me is just a little bit about me. I'm someone who has really bad object permanence, and I love to have things around my room that kind of, you know, remind me of where I am and where I come from and, you know, various things about me, uh, you know, and at the top right there, do what you love. Cause I mean, with everything I do, I always try and simply do that, do what I love. It's a good motto to live your life by. Yeah. And so here for one of the first shows, cause depending on when another ep- episode goes live, this may be the first or the second show on the lives of the party podcast, but, uh, I would like you guys to introduce a great person i've had the privilege of getting to know this is josh ryan hello everybody he has been um a roommate the last month and i have he is a equally ambitious bro and i'm really happy that he's on the show to uh, kind of kick things off thank you for having me sir yeah well so um i guess first and foremost how do you feel this is quite a studio that we have it's quite a studio honestly it's a little intimidating <laughs> i mean they're <laughs> Yeah. It's it, there's some well curated objects behind me. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I looking that. at the camera it looks pretty good. Yeah, this um, is this is a nice camera. 4K. What, what object behind us is is the most important to you? You know, it's 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 funny. You know, now you can actually see what the hell. I mean, except for you guys listening on. Like, Spotify. who knows what this guy was sitting next to when he was recording? Just you know, no video. Yeah, like. I mean, I I could have been <laughs> anywhere. You know, I mean, <laughs> in the past it was a hostel in Hawaii and. Other times it was my bedroom, it was a closet, you know, but now, I mean, again, I, you know, with this video, I guess whenever I take to the streets, he'll be able to see, but right here behind us, this is what I want my home to be. So I don't know, like there's a lot of stuff in the set that I really do just love. I mean, on the right here, I have my bookshelf that, you know, whenever I finished a book, I would actually buy the copy because I would always. So you've get, read all those books? Yeah, actually. Um, actually, in the last two years too. Well, actually, three years. But the goal was, uh, I'll, even though I get mostly audiobooks and Kindles, I still make sure to buy the copy just to actually see what I've completed. And just when I was transporting the actual, like you know, all of these books I'd read, and it's not even all of them, just holding the knowledge I'd acquired in a really abstract way felt really cool. I feel like with books too, like books are something that like you read and you have such a impactful journey through. And like, if you have it online, like, I don't know, you're not as connected to it. And I feel like the art of like a good book is being able to hand it to someone and be like, read this. Like, honestly, pick it up. you're so you're like so right that, that, like human interaction. Yeah. And like, honestly, yeah. I'm not a huge book reader. I probably can count on two hands how many books I've read in my life. But one of them was up here. Mr. Outliers. Oh, you read Outliers. Great, great book. You read Outliers. Yeah, Outliers was like a weird... Honestly, it's a good good segue. Like, Outliers was... Um, I read it at in like sixth grade or something um, for baseball to try to deal mm-hmm. with like my nerves in the game. Wow. And my dad like recommended me read it because he like... 
I would be so fucking good in practice. I'd hit uh-huh. how many home runs, whatever. I'd do everything on the field. And then in the game, I would lose it. Like, I would be a mess at the plate. I would overthink things. And yeah. I don't know if outliers necessarily helped me get through that with baseball, but yeah, it definitely um, gave me a, a good perspective on on life in general. And uh, good book. Good book. Yeah. Definitely a good one to have. Yeah. So for you guys who don't know, Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, highly recommend it. Basically, he tries to point out why people or outliers within society are outliers. What is it about them that makes them special? And one of the first stories he actually opens up with was how based on someone's birthday in Canada, you could actually predict their chances of making it to the National Hockey League, which is pretty interesting. I remember that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically what they had realized is it starts all the way from when they're young, like, you know, five or six years old, when they first are getting on the ice. And, you know, when they're that little, little improvements in size can make a tremendous difference. And so it just happened to be that based on the cutoff, like the quote unquote oldest people, the oldest kids would just be a little bit faster and a little bit stronger, and just a little bit better skilled because they had more time to practice. And those people tended to be scouted and got extra help, were able to move into flights, extra coaching. And those small differences in the beginning became exponentially greater to the point that by the time someone was in high school or even in, in college, they were tremendously better than people who were only even a few months younger than them. On average, so did did he ever look into like NHL players' birthdays? Like, is it is it sort of does it does it line up? Like, I'm not sure. I imagine. It, I'm not sure if it was NHL players' birthdays. Um, actually, yeah, because like no, in yes, the long right. run, it would be. You know, yeah, like it'd be yeah. like okay, look at yeah. the team. Like, how many of these players were born from January to like wherever mm-hmm. the cutoff is? Because that's it's yeah. similar in baseball. Like, I mm-hmm. I was born in July and I was made. I had to play with the kids younger than me because the cutoff was like in january or something mm-hmm. and if you perform born before jan or i forget what the day was but b- born before a certain day you play with this grade mm-hmm. even though you you're in a different scholastic grade yeah. um and those minor things like when you're like third grade you know like it's crazy how it makes a difference oh no completely. playing with a different competition level whatever it be yeah um, yeah i mean he talks about how there's i mean he talks about a lot of other sort of ideas in here, he, uh, you know, uh, brought up the famous 10,000-hour rule. Mm-hmm. There's, um, I mean, he also talked, like, one of my favorites, actually, was this study he talked about. It was by this guy, this professor named, I think his last name was Terman, but he essentially made, like, 250,000 students. This was, like, one of the largest studies ever of its kind mm. 250,000 students, they made them take these essentially like I like IQ tests on steroids. And out of all of these people, uh, the Terman found, uh, I think, just under 1,000 students or 1,000 people that he was going to dedicate the rest of his life to. These were like inc- like p- basically people with incredibly high IQs. Mm. And so he's, he had very, very strongly claimed these are going to be the kids that become the lawyers, the doctors, the politicians, the successful people in the world. And what, do you, what they found out 30 years later, as everyone was older, you did obviously have those lawyers. You did have those successful people. But it was uncorrelated with their intelligence. And what 
was much more telling was what side of the tracks they grew up on. That is what determined their success. And I thought that was very interesting. What do you mean by that? What side of the tracks? Basically, what resources did they have at their disposal? For example, mm. their socioeconomic status and uh, their, uh, you know, makeup, uh, the, you know, their parental family. So in other words, things makeup, they couldn't control. Home. In other words, yes, a lot, yes, very largely it was their environment that determined their success. And, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, you could say that life is unfair. It is. It is. And, I mean, I mean, I sit here very much a product of that. I sit Definitely. here very privileged, and I'm sure you, you, you feel the of same course. way. I, you know, didn't come from much money, but yet I just happened to go to a school that, you know, had a, you know, that, that, had, that had really great high paying taxes that paid for you know very good magnet school i could go to in high school i just happened to stay around the the good kids um i guess there's i guess there's other parts of me genetically that just were just predisposed to just being that good kid and working hard and i had a supportive family and even here coming into northeastern right i had a tremendous experience here the fact that like you're here right oh. equally entrepreneurial and inspiring to me it's never lost on me how how well i have it and I mean, from, all, all I can really be is grateful. 100%. And just before we pass up on outliers, I wanted to ask you, do you think that study about um, IQs versus what you're born into, do you think that, um, like, do you think the 1,000 hour rule can override that or 10,000 hour rule? The 10,000 hour rule. Or do you think it's like yeah. a combination? Like some yeah. people, like no matter how long they put in, they're just in a situation that they can't overcome. So that's, that's actually a really good question. I think it's a lot more nuanced. I think that, I mean, at some point you could put in a million hours and you're just going to be at a, at a tremendous disadvantage. Like, you know, me going toe to toe playing basketball with LeBron James, Fair. right? I could train my whole life. Yeah. I will never ever be able to dominate. <laughs> so, I mean, he's six, eight, I'm five, six, right? Yeah. 14, eight, like 14 inch advantage. Right. And then if, and then on top of that, his mind, I can, like, I guarantee you is just more primed to have that basketball IQ. Um, I think though that, I mean, the older I get and Outliers kind of prime this, but with all of this knowledge I've picked up, there's such thing as being good enough. I think as I think as long as you have enough good enoughs, and what is that? What variables are those? It completely depends on the situation. Mm. But I think as long as you have those good enoughs, you can override the inferiorities in certain aspects of yourself with the and time. still be able to rise up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, completely. I think that's a good way to put it. <clears throat> I think the... Um, I don't know. I think it's different. I think there's all all people have their competitive advantages in life that they're born with. And I feel like our, our battle as humans is sort of navigating through this world, trying to find what those are and to use those to your best advantage and, you know, to have the happiest life possible as a result of those. Yeah. And um, I think if you put 10,000 hours into an area that's not one of those competitive advantages, <laughs> you know, it might not work out how you hoped. Um <laughs> I mean, you'll definitely be better than when you first started. Hundred percent. But compared to everybody else, but can you be the best at exactly, it? Exactly. It's you're just you. You know, you're just hitting a glass. Because I, because I, I feel like a lot of humans, they look up when they're thirty five and they're like, "Man, I just spent ten thousand hours on something I'm not very good yeah, at." Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> or I don't love. <laughs> you know, like yeah, no, completely. Like I think I, and this is going off that. Like something I always think is like I feel like our society doesn't 
prepare us enough as kids to find those those areas. No, not at all. Like they kind of believe us to be cookie cutter. You know, everybody is yeah. on this path. There's, you know, like what what are you doing? If if yeah. you're really creative in school and you just don't pay attention to class, you have ADHD, whatever. Like yeah. you're a failure. You yeah, know, like, like you and I. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's um. I completely agree with that. And this is actually something that I'd love to, assuming I'm given the, the, the privilege, give a TED Talk in by the end of the year. This isn't the full thesis I'd have, but something I would somewhat bring up. And it's this idea of education, mm-hmm. or at least traditional United States public education. K through 12. K through 12, where it goes back to you know the 1900s, the Industrial Revolution, you were not taught to think differently. You were taught to be a cog in a machine to be because a that benefits worker. the the entire society. Because that benefits society That's what they overall. Needed. And you know, uh, you know, even in a hundred years, things are generally still taught the same. You know, the idea that you're in a classroom and you know, in, you know, lined up in rows and columns, and you listen to the teacher, and you do exactly what's asked of you, and then you're tested and you're assessed. Exactly similar to everybody else. And look, I, is it the most efficient way to teach people? Yeah, I agree. It, it is. But, you know, the more books I read, the more that it forces me to challenge what I think. And I purposely try and choose books that challenge what I think. And realizing, for example, the idea that it doesn't have to be this way. And what if we were taught, okay, think creatively. Your assessment would be, based on everything you know, create some piece of art, right? Create something. And there's some classes there like that. There are some classes that definitely do that. But I, I know what you mean. And it's like, I think it's it's a two-part issue. It's like, first of all, like, what is school other than, like, who the teachers are? Like, your classes and, like, what you learn. Like, yeah, there's a curriculum, but, like... I'm sure you've had experiences where a teacher has brought that curriculum to a new level for you. Yes. And then vice versa, they brought it to a way bad, worse yes. level. And that yes. happens all the time in college. And I'm sitting there. I'm like, why are they teaching? Like, like what joy are they getting? Like, yeah, just like sort of trying to get you to follow this like rigid curriculum. Yeah. It's- I mean, okay. So actually to touch on that, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess what, what you're talking about is... So the taking it to a new level is when the teacher forces you to think what you previous believe, previously believe and make you think for yourself. As, totally. As opposed to the other teacher that's like, okay, do this, do this, put the square peg in the square hole. Yeah, and like doesn't really have a reason why for it. You know, like teachers that they, t- you know, they might like be that. teaching history, but they're not a dumbass. You know, they know that like history books aren't that reliable. So it's like... Yeah. Instead of teaching it how you're been given it taught by this huge corporate textbook company, you know, taking it to a new level and doing your own research. And, you know, I I just think the, it, like, I get to thinking of, like, think back to high school and think about a class where you were like, wow, I really took something away from this that I'm going to mm-hmm. use in life. Mm-hmm. Like, emotional intelligence type shit. Like, mm-hmm. like shit that goes beyond... Yeah. A multiple choice quiz beyond an essay about yeah. a book from the past. Like, yeah. you know, and I, I'm not saying my high school, like, I, I think I was very privileged to go to a high school that believed in a lot of group projects and discussion based yeah, stuff. And, likewise. You know, sort of getting outside of that, that rigid um, path. But like, you know, we're not here necessarily to talk about our own experiences, but like in general, 
everybody sort of has this cookie cutter <clears throat> school experience. Yeah. You know, it's not an uncommon perspective at yeah. all. Yeah. No, yeah. Completely. Um, how I think that teaching should be taught, especially in the age that we live in now. I mean, you say, oh, go out and do your own research. And we have people today who go out and do their own research, right? And that's why we have QAnon. And that's why, <laughs> you, know, you know, we have all these conspiracy theories. How I think that we should try and go about uh, teaching our youth is, you know, how to learn, how to think critically, mm. how to do that due diligence research. Um, I'm a very uh, big proponent on you know, not scaring people, not telling people don't do this, don't do this, but telling them why, right? Definitely. Allowing them to understand, giving them both perspectives. I don't think we should shun people from the worst ideas that society has to offer. I think that, you know, comforting people only makes them more scared and more vulnerable. And, you know, we really need to examine issues and topics like head on. Um, and that's what I hope to do with this podcast. No idea is free from discussion here and it doesn't mean i and that doesn't mean i agree with it i, I agree with a certain type but there's always topic. there's always a discussion yeah at the very least you can understand i mean under, understand why it's so bad yeah i mean like you know for example you have hitler right right bad guy but it's such a disservice to him and to all the people that he killed and the people that he conned and and persuaded to commit such heinous acts, it's such a disservice to say, oh, he was just bad because he was, or to say he was stupid. He wasn't. He was incredibly intelligent. He knew exactly what he was doing. He was very manipulative and incredibly charismatic. And because of that, he could get people to do awful things. And calling him just stupid and like, you know, pushing it off as that is like that. It's going to repeat itself. You know? Yeah, like, exactly. Like you didn't get to the. That's not what happened. Exactly. At all. You know, like yeah. he was a master mastermind. He was, no, he was. Yeah, he was incredibly intelligent, incredibly gifted. He just happened to use his gifts for incredibly malevolent purposes. And unfortunately, in society, that's that's a lot. A lot of the time, that happens. You know, the the biggest geniuses, the smartest people, are are causing the most evil. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's it's sad to think about, but yeah. like. I don't know. I think it kind of goes back to we as like humans, like we're kind of flawed, like yeah. inherently. Like I mean, we are. Yeah, we're, like we're not perfect, um, but neither do I think we actually actually want comfort. We strive for comfort, but we don't actually want it when we have it. Um, famous quote I once heard: mm. "Okay, a sick man wishes, but for one thing; a healthy man wishes for a thousand. That's a very telling quote. It's like, yeah, you want what you don't have, and then once you have it, you continually want what you don't have. And it goes like, how do you live a life? How do you ever get to a point of satisfaction in life? Um. <laughs> <laughs> With if we're flawed like that, you know, like yeah, like you can see how so many people end up down these horrible paths because they're the good doesn't satisfy them anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um. Uh, no, I'll tell you what it uh, for me at least it helps that I almost died. Uh, <laughs> tell me about that. What um, what the hell happened? I mean, has, uh, that been, has that story been disclosed to the pod before? Uh, I don't think it has, just because it's never been seen. But oh if, shit, it's back here. Yeah. So if you look over here, so that is a leash that went 
and attached to my leg and attached to the surfboard I was riding in Maui in the beginning of May of 2022. So I was riding, and long, I mean, long story short, it was a swell. I was fighting a rip current. Someone playing guitar? Oh, whatever. No. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> long story short, I was fighting a, like, a rip current the entire day. It was my second time back out at sea. The, ra- the waves were really like pummeling me. And, I, and even though I was a lifeguard, I was struggling a bit. But I swim out to shore, right, because that's where the waves are. All of a sudden, massive wave goes on me, and I'm a beginner. Fuck no dive and then all of a sudden come out again another huge board i dive down uh at the other huge wave the wave comes over breaks on my surfboard and then rips off the leash that was connected to my leg this simply fell out and all of a sudden my whole board is like taken ashore and i'm in the middle of the ocean and i'm tired and i'm like fuck like for the first time in my life, I really truly confronted death. The idea that, oh, I really could die. I was so tired, right? And I was so far away from shore. I knew I couldn't make it, right? Like, I was at that point spending the last half an hour trying to get to shore on a surfboard, but the but the water just kept pulling me back out. And so I was like, oh, fuck. Just happened to be, right? And there was somebody there that saw me. He like ran to go and I mean he swam as fast as he could to go and get my board he just said look I'm like I'm gonna get it whatever and you know I said hey like can I hold on to your board to catch my breath for a bit he's like oh no no you got it you got it but the thing is it's like as a lifeguard I know exactly how's this why guy gonna that. hold how is he gonna save your life and not like what? actually okay you know what I'm, I'm 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 taking out the way he said it fat dude glasses and a backwards cap Nah, man, you got it, man. Just keep swimming, man. I got okay, you. Okay, that paints a, a little better picture. He really didn't know the severity of it. I mean, no, like, he look, when he came back, right, he was like, oh, I'm a surf instructor. I know exactly, you know, what to do, whatever, right? He's just like, I'm a lifeguard. I know exactly, like, I, I asked for something that was so futile, that I knew was futile. If someone's drowning or if someone is, at the, is, at, is, is close to a point of drowning, you don't ever get close to them because they will drown you too. Right, that's fair. And like, okay, and I knew that. So he didn't have a tube or anything. No, he had his surfboard. Right, but no tube, no lifeguard tube. Oh no, no, no! She was, was just a dude surfing. Oh, yeah. I got you. But like, all right, right in that like, oh god, it felt like an eternity. I I really couldn't tell you how much time. So he he came out there. He was like, I'm gonna go get help. Yeah, well, like he just happened to be out by the way. Yeah, and he right? he said he was gonna go get a li- yeah. lifeguard. Okay, and well, no, no. Not a lifeguard. He just said, well, like, he just said, oh, I'll get help or whatever. Or at least I think he did, right? Because I was panicking, right? Yeah. Um, he goes to go and get my board. And I'm just like uh, treading, treading water. And I don't, know, I don't know how much time passes by. And I'm just like trying to relax as desperately as I can. And I, I just have to choose to trust this fucking stranger. Eventually, it feels like after an eternity, he comes back with the board. He tells me exactly how to get out. Swim further into the water, okay, just so that I get over the break zone. Go out and then go into the cove where it's uh, not nearly as bad. Uh, you know, where the break zone isn't nearly as big. Okay, whatever. I do that. I swim out. I get back on shore, right? On the last wave, like towards the end, there's another wave that breaks over me. And I just fucking grab the surfboard, just barrel roll a few times. But eventually, I, I uh, land on shore, 
and I'm walking down the jump off point and I just see all these people just staring at me. And I'm just like, oh, okay. I look for my friends who were on the jetty looking at me. And they're, they're nowhere to be found. Your friends are looking for you, senor, somebody says. Oh, what? All of a sudden I see like one of my friends like from like the end of like the, of from what I could see starts running down in the dock, right? Grabs me. He's like crying, right? And he's like, oh, what the fuck is wrong with you? We thought you were dead, whatever. Jesus. Like, How long were you out there? Long enough for them to not see me, call the fire department, run around, have a few of them jump in on their surfboards of their own, which pissed me off because I swear to God, if anything happened to any of them, like they weren't as strong swimmers as me, not that I'm a strong swimmer, but God. So you were like kind of on your like own wave, like nobody was with you when you went I, out on this. I think I was gone for a solid 15, 20 minutes, right? Because like they saw my surfboard come to shore, they didn't see me, and like they were panicking. Um, and it took me a while to get back on shore. And I, like I said, I swam out and then swam back in, into the cove. But it's, it, so this, this guy, this surfer left you just out there and you were just basically like treading water, treading water in pretty like, then the waves were just coming. Well, I see this thing. I was so lucky in that no other wave uh-huh. broke in the time that I was out there. Hmm. Right. But then, yeah, no, I mean, there were a lot of things that were really lucky that day, right? After that second wave that like broke my surfboard and sent it back to shore, no other big wave came in that time, right? He he was able to come back, not really beat any waves. So you think a wave back. comes, you're dead? What? Um, wave comes, are you dead? I don't know. Honestly, I, I mean, I didn't have a life jacket. Uh, I don't know. I was already so tired. It yeah. would not be a great situation. I, I mean... <clears throat> Yeah, if he wasn't there, yeah, probably. probably, probably when probably when trapped. when did this happen? It was in May. Oh shit! So I mean, since then I came back very motivated, very inspired. Yeah. Um, and on it. Oh damn! I didn't get that. Yeah. Could yeah. you try again? Oh, sorry about that. The series being a bitch. <laughs> What's new? What's new? <laughs> yeah. Um, I came back from that trip feeling, you know, very grateful, but. I was someone who kind of always accepted death anyway. Mm-hmm. The Greeks used to have these coins called memento mori that you know you keep in your pocket to kind of remind you that you will die. And I would always channel those. And after I came home from this trip, like that night of, as we were going back to our Airbnb, I thought, as all my friends were crying all around me, I was very like calm, eerily. And I thought, oh my God, uh, you know, I eventually I'm just going to like start like bawling out, like crying, whatever, whatever. But that didn't happen. And I realized that like, I really had like internalized the idea that like I could have died. And I actually was like, okay with it. Not that I wanted to die, but I really thought hard that night and everything I'd done up until that moment, I had seriously done, you know, I mean, everything that I could have, I felt I had done. And I'd live my life to the fullest where even though I wouldn't have wanted to, I would have been okay with dying. And ever since that moment, I mean, you talk about, oh, like, what is, like, living, like, what makes me happy or, like, what goal What's, do I have? What, yeah, what, uh, what gives you fulfillment? It's what makes it worth it? Simply, I want to make every choice to do, you know, towards doing 
everything that I want to do. And I live my life saying, okay, well, you know what? If it were to happen, okay. Um, I mean, Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. Uh, that's another book in here. Uh, I mean, look, I just, maybe I've just gaslit myself into living a happy life. But, uh, you know, Viktor Frankl, he is a psychiatrist who in, in the 1940s spent time in Nazi Germany. And because he was a psychiatrist coming into Nazi Germany, I mean, coming into Auschwitz, he had a very detailed expertise and into extreme detail described the psyche that him and various other prisoners would fall into, what it was like in Auschwitz. And, you know, like the book says, how does a man find meaning when your friends are killed arbitrarily, when you choose to make these decisions and you could die at any moment? Well, as he said it, right, he adopted a, a sense of stoicism. What is your purpose? Well, you cannot control the things you cannot control. You can only control the things you can. Accept what you cannot control, right? And try to control what you can. And that went as far as to say, well, what if you're being led into the gas chambers? Well, do what you can do and stand up with your head held up high and walk into there with confidence. I don't even think you're a human at that point, dude. Like, I, I don't think... I think after... 80 days in a, in a, in a camp like that, you're, you're not, no, you're, you're an not. object. You're, I mean, like, like you've died already. Yeah. Like, you've died inside. If you've probably, you've probably watched someone close to you get killed already. He, he, he actually talks about that. He talks yeah. about how, um, there were so many, at some point the, there were events that were just happening that he only realized that they were out of the ordinary because he had that little bit of forethought to realize, wait, this guy just died in front of me, and I'm just trying to get his gloves. That's all I care about. Yeah, he. I mean, yeah. The only reason he remembered him was because of how extraordinary it was. But yes, but like right. you got to think at that point, like the gas chamber is sort of like the sweet relief, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Like you're being, yeah. you're a slave. Like you. Yeah, yeah. You're skinny. You're. Do you haven't yeah. eaten? Like, yeah. Like I, I can't imagine like. And of course, there's tons of survivors who've gone on, you know, uh, Ellie Wiesel, tons of books written. Um, but just what that like reintegration to society was like and, you know, any POW, but specifically in, a, in an internment camp. Yeah, not easy. Um, you know, like, how do you how do you go from being in a mindset of I'm dead to fuck? Yeah. <laughs> I am alive. And I, like now you have a new sense of what being alive is and like it's not the same as you you almost dying out, out at sea but um you know who's to say it isn't in your own head you know um yeah i mean i can't really relate to how victor frankl felt i mean he talked about how people in those situations right if you gave up it was very easy to give up no one no one fought if you had just simply stopped Within a few days, or actually within two days, if you gave up on life, you would die. But to him, any sense of meaning he could find, he would find it. He told, he told himself for seven years that he would his purpose in life was to be there for when his wife came home. And so he could be there to take care of her and open that door. And then she didn't come home. And then that was another whole chapter of figuring out how to continue. Was she in a different camp? Yeah, she was. And uh, she did not make it. Um, 
that's what created a whole new sense of purpose in his life, which was the idea of logotherapy. Therapy that therapy that also attributes meaning towards living life. And what is that? Well, <clears throat> it's varied for many people, but at the heart of it, accepting what you cannot change and accepting and choosing to change the things that you can. Everything for, I mean, it can get to, it can get as bad to, well, perspective. If that's the one thing you can change, then change it. Um, I mean, for me at least, it's just humility and it's just, I don't know, just pure gratefulness. Like I, it's not lost on me, like how lucky I have it. It just so happens that, you know, I'm part Filipino and Haitian and I've been to the Philippines. My dad is, my dad said, you're never going to see Haiti, at least, you know, at least with me. That's how bad it is. <laughs> you know, right. I, I mean, but like seeing, you know, I mean, I have cousins, dude, live on like 50 bucks a month, mm-hmm. right. And going in and then going there and seeing that and then being here and then realizing like how many gifts I have, right. I just, you know, I'm very lucky to, uh, you know, have, I mean, beyond just food and shelter. Like I can do this. Like my biggest struggle is like oh you know like how do i want to find purpose in my life right what type of what type of fucking privilege is that right mm-hmm. you know yeah. like i mean i i mean i'm currently single now but i know that psh, like I'm, I'm fine like i'll find somebody right yeah. 100 i mean yeah it's like i like it things are so set and at this point okay i ain't have to be here right but i am and i'm simply going to live the life that i want and make the choices that i want towards you know uh towards doing the things that i want to in this case it's just in like you know having interviews and learning the perspectives of different people right it could be tomorrow or not tomorrow but you know starting a family it could be <laughs> hopefully not tomorrow might be tomorrow uh, might be tomorrow right i mean i i don't know but i'm I feel like I've got a good head on my shoulders. I've got a lot going for me. And I don't know. I'm just, regardless of what happens, I'm I'm happy. I feel like it's easy to lose sight, like, just like as you're going through your day-to-day and it being, you know, whatever it is, you're so privileged. Like, it's, yeah. it's so easy to still find something wrong, you know? Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, until you have it worse permanently than you did. Yeah. And you're like, fuck! I wish I had it like that. Yeah. You're always gonna. It's such a it's such a flaw of us. Like, why? no, yeah, you I know? mean, like, you're right. It's, it's the same question. What what fucking satisfies us? Like, well, what satisfies you? I have no idea yet. I think it's making music, uh, okay. f- for the world to hear. And I love making music myself. Where but, can people find your music? Uh, they can find it on Spotify. Can, my ooh, okay. uh, my no, artist name is Flying J Ryan. Will the link be down in this description? Uh I think it might be. Ooh, okay. I think it just might be. And like that goes back to competitive advantage. Like I, I always liked writing poems, you know, from a kid um, from like fifth grade. Every every birthday present I've given my parents is a poem. 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 You give them poems for Christmas. When poem for st- birthday. Birthday. Birthday and Mother's and Father's Day. When did that start? Why did that start? Early. Like fifth, sixth grade. Because I was good at writing poems and I was lazy and... <laughs> That combination created these like 
very unique gifts because I was I was good at it and I'd say what I felt and like do you I don't know my my parents have them saved on their phone or whatever and do you have some of them that yeah, we could read I, yeah I could I could read you a couple I could uh but like so that's kind of the start of of making music it's just like I like to write poems like I'll let's wow. see let's see what my as my a one guy my mom was very in touch, recently as a guy very in touch with your feminine side <laughs> to be able you to could do say that. that um let's see uh oh my lord that's pretty long this isn't a poem this is just like a. all right fine all right this is to my mother wendy Gaines, great woman wrote this in 2021 it was just a few days ago that national women's day had me remembering how amazing my mom is with very little help from her very very wealthy father built a long-standing practice just eight minutes from her wonderful town in belmont she's a doctor um, a town that I appreciate more and more every day. There are a few things parents can do better to set up their children and to send them to terrific schools. Not in merit or accolades, but terrific in terms of the teachers that will be molding their kids, trains of thoughts, and consciously, subconsciously for their being. And I'm more and more thankful every day that you and Daddy gave me the wonderful opportunity to grow up in such a school district uh, in a town. Um, and I'm just so thankful that you did that. But my main point about you being a role model in every way and your method of parenting is one I hope to emulate immensely. Privilege is only good if you learn how to dream big and execute as a result. You've always given me that blessing, always. I would not be the dreamer or executor I am today without you and look up to and learn from you every day. While you may have chosen a path very planned out and safe that does not hinder your ability to dream for me and support my dreams... From baseball player to lawyer to musician to superhero to everything in between, um, always you always have a belief in my judgment and my ability. Few parents have that level of support from sorry. Few kids have that level of support from their parents, um, and I believe that's an X factor that'll carry me as far as I'd go. Um, I love you so much, and happy birthday. How old were you? Uh, I was twenty-one. Yeah, that's cute. I like that. So most of them are poems. That was more of a long form, but I just like, for me, saw, I've always been a pretty emotional guy um, and writing poems and songs was just, you know, a way to express that. What do you think you were? Do you think you're predisposed <clears throat> to it or? Yeah, I think, I think a lot of people lose, especially guys lose their emotion from how their parents treat them. And mine always tr- treated me with tons of love and support. Mm-hmm. And I always, as a result, had a lot of love to give out. Now, do you think... I think beyond just parents, it's also society. Hundred percent, you can lose that love from other yeah. people too. Well, it's it's also just you're just taught as a guy to not express that. Yeah, unless I mean, unless you want to be a straight guy. You know? Yeah, hundred you know, percent. But I don't know. I mean, the I just always I always played in the belief that it's better said than left unsaid. Me too. You know, I like agree. why, like, and I like. I feel like a lot of people feel everything I feel, but then just don't say it, you know? I actually disagree with that. I really? feel like at some point people can be so... Okay, so basically the words that we say affect how we think, mm. right? Um, for example, right? If you don't know a certain concept and you don't know the word for it, it's hard to think about it because you your brain has to do a lot more processing to come up with that idea, but even then you can't articulate it. Mm. For example, um, 
So you think people have feelings that they can't articulate? I think people have feelings that they don't even realize what they are. So yeah. Because they're, like, there's no conception for it, you know? And that speaks to why I make music of those feelings. Yeah, because you... Because I hope to give people the ability to, to hear and be like, oh, shit, I'm feeling the exact same thing, you know? And that's why music's sick. Like, I wouldn't yeah. be a musician if I didn't hear all the music I grew up on. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that's the thing that makes artists, you know, even greater. For an artist to take an emotion and distill it down into a form that people who've never felt it can still experience. Mm. That's true art. And that's incredible. Yeah. The one thing about the, the album that'll be in the description, the, for the longest time writing that album, it's about this one girl about a relationship, a love, whatever it be, you interpret it as you may. But while I was writing it, I, I tried to convince myself I was writing from past emotion um, just like, because we weren't together at the time, you know, it's like, oh, well, like, we're not to, like, this is past emotion. Like, I'm just pulling from past. And I ran with that for so many years. Like, this is past, 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 past. I just couldn't express it because I couldn't write songs while it was actually happening. But I found that, like, channeling that love and, like, those words from the past was so powerful that it actually just made me feel it in the present. Mm. And, like... Mm. I think it's like at least the way I write songs like I it it doesn't happen unless I'm writing it from present emotion and I'm so present in that emotion that I can articulate it not just in words but how I'm like saying yeah. the saying the words and that was like a I literally realized that recently I was like no like this is <laughs> this is cap like <laughs> like this is about like how I feel constantly like I wouldn't wow I wouldn't have put it out if I didn't still feel it you know wow <laughs> wow yeah no um as someone who doesn't listen to music quite as much because of i don't know adhd whatever it's like when i do eventually get to listen to music that can make me feel a way that i've never felt before mm. and i just i just think to myself like what the fuck was going through their head yeah. you know like if i get this mm -hmm. from you know from the you know from this what were they feeling? Because I know that even then, like, they, that these artists couldn't translate everything that was going on in their head. Totally. Into sound. Totally. And, like, the meaning that they pull away from it is going to be drastically different than, like, every listener. And that's the beauty of music. Now, do you... Because it's your own kind of journey with the song. Do you explain your meanings behind your songs? Or do you just kind of choose to kind of let it be said um, I mean, I feel like if, if someone was like, asked me, like if I sent a song to someone who was, it's about, and they like, like, oh, what did this lyric mean? Like, mm -hmm. yeah, I'll explain it. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I like, I like, I always grew up reading genius lyric, mm, uh, genius lyrics. Yeah, yeah. And if I could, I would write novels about what each of my lyrics mean, really? because I feel like it's underappreciated because it's a, most of my lyrics are like so intricate just in terms of what I'm thinking about. And like, maybe the other person that it's about will know it, but nobody else might. And like, mm -hmm. I, it would be nice, you know, to, mm -hmm. to provide that. Light. It's also nice to keep it anonymous. It's also nice, you it's know, nice to keep it anonymous. because as we previously stated, it's like that's my experience with it. But yeah. like, maybe someone listens to it and they think it's about something different. Maybe they go fill out the genus annotation, and I think that's something lost on a lot of people. 
So those genie annotations, those aren't the artist's opinions of what those lyrics are. Those are random stands. You know, are t- trying to trying to comb through this guy's brain. Like, you really know what Wheezy was on when he said that line? Like, <laughs> I don't know. So, I mean, some of his lines go fucking hard. Like, oh, oh my right. God. Lil Wayne, Lil Wayne is one of the, like, he could rap without a beat and just, like, say his lines almost, like, monotone. And it'd still be insane because of how many double entendres yeah. and, like, ridiculous metaphors he, he spins. Yeah. One of my favorite lines he has is, uh, let's see if I remember it correctly. You want to wear a latex because you don't want that latex that I might be latexed. <laughs> you know, exactly. There's another no, line. You said it. You, no, that no, was crazy. There's another line yet in there that I've, I, I'm forgetting. He said latex four times. Yeah, latex, latex, latex. That I might be latex. Yeah. Oh, God. And that's like one of a billion examples of Wheezy just taking a word and just messing with it. Just, oh just saying it multiple times, different meanings. Like sometimes I'll write songs and there's like there's power in repetition sometimes of a line because it'll mean something completely different in the next line than it meant in the line before. Do you rap or do you do more like singer songwriting type um, or, 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 you know, or, or, or sort of pop uh, sort of bars? Yeah, I'd say... I'd say it's definitely a mix in the middle. I mean, I like to, I, I don't like to hold myself into like one style. Yeah. Like if I make, I, I produce most of my songs. So if I make a beat that is pretty quick and, you know, I'm feeling the energy, like I, you know, I'll go rap on it. Rapping's yeah. definitely not my forte. I'd say making melodies is my forte. Yeah. And then, you know, depending on what the song's calling mm-hmm. for, I'll, I'll decide how to put those melodies mm-hmm. down. Uh-huh. I don't know if this makes sense, but yeah. I, uh, so I've been studying art a lot more. I'm some, I mean, and when I say art, I mean fine art paintings. So I'm someone who doesn't really understand or for a very long time didn't and wanted to and explain and slash analysis type YouTube channels. If you guys have any, please put them down in the description because I'm so interested in just learning everything. I mean, that's, that's another thing I love. Just like just learning. Just being a sponge. Just being a sponge. So I've learned them. So when it comes to, when it came to certain artists, right, you have more minimalist painters and then you have more maximalist painters like, you know, Basquiat, Picasso, right? I, I mean, personally for me, I used to think that Basquiat just drew scribbles, right? But then when I learned about how, oh, like the various layers and like the little initials and the different colors, all of a sudden I started to realize, oh my God, like, I started to think to myself, okay, out of all the places you could have put that paintbrush, you put it there and there and there. And that was put there because there. And I, and I, all of a sudden I started to realize like just exponentially the different variables that existed within like a little canvas all of a sudden opened up. All, all of a sudden it made, it made me understand the sort of capabilities and the points you could change within a painting to convey meaning. But then... Once learning that, it sort of became easier to distinguish meaning because you had greater strokes to tell a story as opposed to a more minimalist painting, right? Where even though there'd be like three colors and three shapes, at least for me, very hard to decipher that meaning, Mm. even though it could have been just as um, thoughtful, it was harder for for someone like me to sort of interpret complexity. 
And I only say that now because when it comes to something like a pop song versus a rap song, a rap song have like have thousands of words, yeah. right? While a pop 100%. song maybe have hundreds. And a rap song can have like a myriad of different beats and flows and rhymes. And when it comes to a pop song, there's also that too, but it's much more simplified. But simplified doesn't mean, you know, uh, you know, more primitive. Mm-hmm. I think the there's two there's two things that come to mind. There's there's the classic dilemma of the producer who I feel like every person who's made beats in their life goes through a time where they're making so complex beats. They're trying to put the whole song down in the beat and they're not thinking about how the artist is going to fit on it. And there was like, you know, I started producing first before I was writing songs and there's like a two-year period where I couldn't even like envision myself in that beat because I wasn't at that point of like putting the meaning together of the music and the lyrics. And it goes both ways. Like I feel like sometimes the best decision you can make with a song is to make it simpler, to take something out and let what really is the Mm -hmm. main thing shine Mm -hmm. and have nothing convoluted and vice versa. Like there's some songs that like, it is so powerful to tell the entire story line by line like i listened to a taylor swift song earlier taylor swift's really fucking good at this where it's like you you're like those three minutes like you're living that story like pretty clearly Mm -hmm. and she is not hiding it like in the i watched a movie last night um and one of the lines in the movie that stuck with me is there the girl uh the woman was writing an article at the end for the new york times Mm -hmm. and um she handed in one version of it and her editor was like fuck no Write it as if nobody's ever going to read it. And that stuck with me. Write it as if no one's ever going to read it. Put the entire brutal truth in there. Put your entire truth in there as if it's a journal. As if nobody's ever going to see it, Jalen. That's what you mean. And that's how I feel I write my songs. I've always written them like that. And it's I had a moment the other day where I was writing a song and I... I was I was real time decision. Do I put the entire truth in, or I do do I not? And I had two versions of the song: one with the entire truth, one with the not. And it took me a week, but I was like, Nah, fuck that. It's the <laughs> truth, because that's what makes it your story so unique. And like, people can tell when you don't put the entire truth in there. It's inauthentic, even if it's one piece of it. It fucks the whole thing up. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What do you think of that? No, I I I completely agree. Speak your truth. I'm very much a proponent of that. Um, I mean, that's actually what I choose to, or what I what what I hope for this to be. Exactly. I mean, as I interview, you know, more people, maybe I'll bring you on. I mean, of course, I'll bring be on, <laughs> right? I have like I have no problem, you know, being vulnerable and explaining like aspects of myself. I plan to, you know, as 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 you say, like tell the whole story, right? I want to i guess share as much of myself hopefully bring that out of other people exactly and And that's my purpose for making music in a way yeah like if i if i have this ability to not give a fuck about putting my entire life out there like hopefully someone out there is like Mm. it resonates with them and they, they they feel like they can share their story too what's your goal with making music what do you want um I want to be a therapist for people. You want to be a therapist for people. 
because that's what all my favorite musicians were for me. Okay. And what type of people do you want to help? Everybody. Everybody. Specifically, I mean, I talk a lot about girls. I talk about a lot about love, heartbreak, yeah, drugs, addiction, mm-hmm. you know, self-doubt, whatever. I mean, I feel like... Are these all things you've experienced? 100%. You know, and I, I wouldn't feel comfortable sharing any of it if I didn't wasn't going through it you know it would feel inauthentic to to talk about some shit that wasn't true to me would you say you're still going through some of these oh yeah oh yeah look at this thing in my hand a little dictionary here (laughs) it's tough dude I was talking to you about it the other night it's like I feel sometimes that like you know the drugs are my gateway into making great music yeah we've we talked about this, and lots of other artists have talked about this too, but how it's kind of an unfair advantage. And it's kind of something that's, well, once you have it, it's something you basically become dependent on. Exactly. It's like to what expense, you know? Yeah, because it, it, like, it tremendously increases the level of art that you produce. I mean, look, like, not that I want artists to be suffering, <laughs> but like, I mean, look, like, Listen to Chance the Rapper's Acid Rap versus his sober album. Versus his sober album, okay? The Big Day, bro. He look. He got a wife. He got happy, and you see what it did to his performance. <laughs> and it's fucked up, but like so much music is made out of the darkest, darkest places these people can be in, and like yeah, dark. At that low point, being able to share your emotions so vulnerably. Like, in a way, that's what gets you out of it. But, like, are you ever out of it if it's the drugs that are making that song in the first place? You know? It's the dilemma. I'm, I'm rapping about trying to get off weed while writing a song on weed. <laughs> you know, I'm not on Perks. I'm not on Zans. I'm, it's not that serious. But, like, you know, it's a couple of years of my life that are pretty fucking hazy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I need other people to trigger some memories sometimes. I feel, I feel, I feel. Dude. Someone used to write like a song, like a serious song about like porn, about porn addiction, bro. High key, I would vibe to the shit out of that. It's annoying. It's a good. I've been having this debate with myself, honestly. Like, is porn addiction bad? I think everything can be bad, right? Okay, but for example, like porn addiction. Clearly, an addiction of addiction. any sorts is is bad. Okay, okay, yes, okay. Well, I mean, I guess define is it bad? <laughs> I mean, I don't know, like. Like, if you don't let it, like, completely, like, and it's really hard to say it than do it, but, like, if you don't let it completely fuck your perspective on sex, like, yeah, you know, and you're watching the right stuff, and, like... <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I think, in moderation, at least There's a lot me, of bad porn out there. There's, Terrible porn. There's a lot of bad porn out there. I don't know. At least in moderation, I think it's fine, because, you know, I get a little jittery. Just, just calm me down. Right, and I just and I can continue with my blind with my blinders up until I have to again, right? And I don't know, like I like I I will say I think I think for that reason, if there there was no porn, I I don't think I would work as hard as I could on my various ventures and dreams. Now you could argue, is that all? I mean, you want to you want to shift. That's an interesting. (laughs) I mean, like you want to shift perspective. Ooh, damn! Oh, stop. Second, don't say it didn't record. Oh, okay. No, you got it. Okay. Um, don't know where I was on that before. Okay, but uh, okay. Uh, sh- shifting. Pr- okay, we can shift perspectives on this, right? 
I think right at the moment, good, because I'd like to work on my current ventures, right? I'm not really focused on a relationship, but you could also argue, oh, you should be in a relationship. And this is destroying your ability to desire a relationship. Mm. And I don't know. It's like, I guess it's, 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 it's whatever we want. I mean, I guess from someone looking externally, they can think whatever they want. Personally, I'm, I'm chilling, right? I think we sort of have statements of belief that all of a sudden can, all can affect our reality. I could say one day, oh, Porn has been destroying my life because it's been destroying my. Uh, you my can find some romantic, fa- you know, was it a uh, my romantic pursuits and joy of experiencing an amazing time with someone? Yeah, and all of a sudden, I would think I would I would regret the last few years of my life. Or alternatively, I could be like, I don't know, like I'm chilling right now, right? It allows me to do what I want as a man, which is to succeed. Not that, like, as a man, you shouldn't succeed, but I would think, in general, anyone should hope to succeed. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's not black or white. No. You know, I think, uh, I think the entire, honestly, sex worker industry is kind of negatively looked at for no reason. Um, I mean, oh, God, I have so much to say on this. Like, I, I've been tooting this for a while. Like, they're athletes, dude. <laughs> they're athletes. They're fucking athletes. Like they are, they know, are the they are best athletes. at fucking in the world. They are athletes. They are athletes. And look, they are having the safest sex with not many partners most of the time. And yet they're made out to be fucking whores all and, over the world because yeah. they are good at sex and do it for a living. And like they are in some way artists. And they're in, and Ath- they, artists like creators like and especially with OnlyFans yeah, now like yeah. and they are a necessity. I, I don't know. I, I just, I just like to me. I just consider it such a form of disrespect to like disrespect these people, and yet, it's not like you don't use them. It's not like you don't, you know. I mean, not use, but it's not. It's not like you don't, you know, uh, utilize their services. Hundred percent. Right, as an artist, right. I mean, we respect our artists, as in our, you know, our musicians, but when it comes to porn, it's like I mean. Maybe it's not quite as the level of art of our artistry that was yeah. seen when there was money put into it. But how how would you feel if you had a nude leaked? I actually don't care. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think I give a fuck either. I mean, but like, <laughs> I, I think it's you and I. I don't know. Like I, I think I have shame, but like I, I think I have less shame than the average guy. I am going to lie with you. I've thought about this so many times. I'd be like, yeah, it's, that's that's me. like how often in in high school was a guy's dick pic leaked you know like girls tits leaked all the time at whatever when when were when was a guy's dick the talk of the 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 library you know yeah pretty rare pretty rare pretty rare i mean kind of fucked (laughs) maybe if my dick was like really small maybe there just weren't weren't great dick pics going around you know yeah i'm just i don't know i'm just i'm like i'm chilling because like you know not brag right but like i'm not like i'm at least above average right but then i have no shame but then i have the little background which is my little my little frame and it just you know proportionally we're doing very well so i can't complain (laughs) there you go you heard it here jalen gunnell leak his pics if you have them yeah he'll he'll be happy it'll it'll give him a reason to start an OnlyFans. you know (laughs) it's so funny because like Quite a few of my friends have been like, Jalen, if you started one, I wouldn't be surprised. 
Yeah. I mean, I don't think you're you're uh, <laughs> you're sis, you're hiding that you like sex. I mean, I think it it's just like we we've grown up in a wild time where technology has gotten to the point to like meet our horniness. Yeah. You know, yeah. like it, horniness has always been there. Yeah, horny on. <laughs> Let demand. me fucking tell you, but but technology makes it makes it it's on steroids. Like, cause it's at your fingertips. Like, yeah, yeah, it is. I don't know. It's just it, it 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 is really funny. Like, we're slowly reaching towards the point of like Wally, right? Where you just tap a button and you get any pleasure of yours satisfied. I mean, we're already like that. It just instead of instantly, sometimes it'll take twenty minutes, right? Like, I mean, dude, I press the right, you know buttons on this sheet of glass and i can have any food i want delivered to me in like 30 minutes or less right i could get in the car i could take me anywhere this fucking dude i've never met before yeah right i could you know if i really wanted to right have the whole swat team show up at some random person's house right i just don't do that um don't do that uh but i mean yeah yeah it's just and then let's say i want a pretty woman Okay, which one? What type? What country? How important do you think sex is in a relationship? Very. I mean, what type of relationship? Let's say a a, a marriage. A marriage. I mean, as a guy, it very. Um, I can't speak too much to women. I would like to say that it's also very important. I think intimacy just in general. I mean, getting to the point... Where it's not sex, it's making love. Oh my god, that's better. That's amazing. I don't like hooking up, right? I like legitimate. I mean, ah. that sense of just like infinite comfort with the person. You're infinite with. comfort. You can say anything. You, like, you're so comfortable to yeah talk like one to one connection, like you two like becoming one and like yeah. giving each other your essences. I I know it sounds so funny, but I don't know what better way to say it literally than yeah, to like to share a very beautiful connection with somebody else. I think that there's no greater feeling. Totally. I think it's uh but at the same time I think there you can have that intimacy level with people that you're not going to be in a relationship with oh, sometimes, completely, you know, completely. And um, I, for me, like I haven't had it line up in life yet where I've had both at the same time, really, where I've had that level of intimacy and like in a relationship, like they've been independent of one another. Interesting. Yeah. I've, I guess I've only, I, uh, I've had that once and that was actually in high school. I've yeah. not, I've, ex- I agree with you. It's, it's been one or the other while in college. Um, yeah. I think the uh I don't know, the best like the best sex I've had is the most like it's when you're the most comfortable with the person. You're you're so like talk like the most conversation is usually a good sign like I don't know, it's like the sometimes you know like it's so easy to just not do it and just like, yeah. Like, like you talk, you be more comfortable, you open up, like promise you that experience is going to get better. Yeah. It can be scary to show the, to show vulnerability. Totally. But in showing vulnerability and having the vulnerability be accepted 
Oh, and you're true. and you're already so vulnerable. You're, like is... you're naked, you know. Yeah. Like, and sometimes because you're so vulnerable physically, it's hard to get to that level mentally because you're so uncomfortable being physically vulnerable. Do you know what's like so funny to me? Like, I mean, you want to talk about the heart weird internet age and i mean yeah like uh, i mean the the world we live in is very different than how it was in the hunter gatherer days that we were made for but like the idea that like i've been doing what money would consider the most intimate act you possibly could do with someone right i'm naked with them sexual with them and yet like i don't know them i don't know their last name crazy right i i i i, I don't know who they are in some instances you know and that's so weird to think about, mm. you know? And I feel like sometimes there's a beauty to that, <clears throat> you know? There's there actually there's kind of a beauty to that. Not knowing, but I don't know. There's I I still like you have you you get to know them, you feel comfortable with them. It, and it's tough like it, our society is almost like set up to not have that right now. As you said, like you tender hinge like you don't have a last name you're showing up if you're hooking up that first date like you know nothing about this person yeah and like is it is like is it more difficult to have those crazy intimate experiences with them or is it easier because there's no baggage there's nothing that's holding it back you're in the moment yeah but i think in another way it 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 changes you that it makes you more fearful of those real life encounters i don't know like okay so could you go up to somebody? And I want you to be like honest with me. Yeah. Okay. Could you go up to someone in the park, say they're pretty, and ask for their number and go on a date? The amount of times I've wanted to say that yeah. not is is out the wazoo. Yes. Because yes. <clears throat> the amount of times I've done it and it doesn't, nothing happen. Like, you know how many times pretty girls get told they're pretty? Every day. Exactly. I, I always play the game of overthinking. What the fuck can I say that's not that? And then by the time that happens, they're gone. <laughs> you know, I had this experience in Nashville, dude. I, I was at this show in the middle of the city, and I just every night I'd see a pretty girl somewhere, and I'd have this. I play this game. Should I go out? What? And they're gone. <laughs> I mean, I'll be I'll be dead ass. I'm scared. You know. <laughs> but what are we scared of, dude? <clears throat> we'll see. I think if it- they're if you're never gonna see them again, if you don't take advantage of that moment. You know, it's it's funny. I mean, I can describe to you the uh, biological reason, <laughs> the evolutionary reason, which was we tended to live in hunter-gatherer packs of about, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what, like, what, 20 to 100. And uh, social anxiety was really important because if you were outcasted by the pack, that was a death sentence. And so you would be very You're fearful of the rejection. Yeah, yeah. You'd be very fearful of the, of the rejection because I could spell death for you, although we don't live in that world anymore. Yeah. And that primal instinct is still within us. You know, I, th- I think getting rejected is the biggest skill. I think getting rejected... Oh, People need to learn in life for everything. Failing Girls failing... Skill. Dude, it's not It's not the amount of... Fa- it's it's how you come back from the failure. It's not what the fail... Like, exactly. It yeah. always is. Count, like... People reinvent your whatever it takes like and yeah. sometimes being at that low is exactly what yeah. you need to motivate you i'd argue <clears throat> that i mean well while of course and i will got, let you let you guys know if i get to that point i could walk up in the park and just ask for someone's number but i i mean that's actually part of the reason why i do this podcast because going on here and saying this shit right scares me 
and it forces me to be vulnerable and potentially be rejected and potentially feel that failure. But as someone who, and I mean, you, you, you could ask my friends, encourages failing within myself and, and, and encourages, you know, that sense of being wrong, it only can make you better. It only can make you stronger. And, you know, you do it enough times, you look at people around you and you just see how scared they are. And you're like, your life could be so much more like expansive. You know what? Next pretty real I see they're getting talked to. <laughs> it's happening. We should do it. Yeah, we should do it. <laughs> no, like, just, I don't care where it is. Just like straight. Except the gym. No. <clears throat> I'd do the gym. No, why not? Yeah, uh, no, no, no. That's a lie. I don't know. Um But yeah, it's 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 so funny though, because like you you you're so right. In this world that we live in, it means nothing to talk to some random person and, and, and tell them that. But, you know, I'm sure you feel this. I'm sure you guys feel this. It feels as if, like, the world will come crashing down yeah. if I go up and I fail. And it's like God Beaver will smite, <clears throat> will smite me with his lightning bolt. And something about, like, that in-person failure is so much fucking more worse than, you know, hitting a DM. Yeah. Just, like, throwing a couple DMs off and not getting a response, you know? Like, and, like, even then, like, you send, <laughs> you send, you send the risky task, the the risky text. Ooh. Do you, so do you like that feeling? What? Do you like that feeling? Where you just send a text and you have those, you know, kind of bite. You're like, you're you're in shambles of anxiety. Yeah, maybe a little uh, adrenaline. I fuck I do, with that feeling. I do like it. I do like it. <laughs> like I'll send texts just for that feeling sometimes. Yeah. Like just no, to- I, no, I feel you. I feel you. I've slowly like within my head, and I've I've I I mean in the last few weeks, I think I'm biased because starting a company really made me like feel a sense of just fucking assurance, self assurance in myself, like. Mm. I don't know if you've seen that that uh, <laughs> LeBron James audio where it's like, I don't give a fuck what nobody thinks. I'm him. Yeah. I've been feeling that energy lately. There bro. you go, dude. Um, so in terms of that, like, I just think to myself, like, I, uh, at least temporarily, right? Yeah. In the last, in the last few weeks. It's <laughs> like, if this, I'd be scared. I'd be like, fuck, nah. I'm him. I'll just text. Sometimes, like, I'll do it. Like, just, like, Putting yourself out in that vulnerable sense, like even if you're about to get fucked and fucking rejected or whatever, like you're gonna learn something. Like yeah. you're putting the other person on their toes, yeah. almost. Like, yeah. And that it, sense of like that is is sort of thrilling. You know what? It does make me feel alive. I ain't even gonna lie with you. And I hate it when I do it. I'll send it. I'll literally get up to the moment. I'll have a big text written. You hate and it. I'll, like I hate it until I. Oh like, yeah, yeah. Like <clears throat> I'll do it. And then I'll yeah. hate it for a second. I'll be like, wait a sec. Like, the only reason I did this is because I wanted this feeling. And I'm like, yeah. fuck, like, all right, I kind of like it. And then, like, yeah. <laughs> I've like gotten to like a place where if I like, I'll get into a, oh, I'm scared. But then I'll, but then I'll get into a, oh, I'm even more scared of not doing it at this point because then it's going to internalize in me not doing it and it's going to send me down the spiral. And all of a sudden, <clears throat> not doing it scares me more than actually fucking failing. And then I'll yeah. just go and do it. And I'll just be like, ah, damn, his palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. But you know what? I did it. I did it. It's like the, <clears throat> everything in life is learning, you know? It like everything you're doing, like it feels like the end all be all in the moment. But everything you do, the next moment's going to come most of the time. Yeah. And you're going to be forced to learn with it and grow yeah. with it. Yeah. Seek discomfort. 
I'm not sponsored by them, but oh boy. Seek fucking discomfort. Seek is that discomfort. a is that a uh... It's a clothing brand. Well actually like what probably one of my favorite clothing brands. Just cause of just really just more so because of the message. Oh yeah. Just oh god. Like, Nothing more powerful than a clothing brand with a with a message like that. Oh yeah, of course, you know. Like you know, experiencing life. <laughs> At Experiential Clothing Co., the clothing line I have started. We are going to we are continuing. Uh just not bringing influencers. I mean, you want to talk about seeking discomfort, bro. That's just, an, I'm in debt, bro. I'm in debt, right? Now, I haven't sold talk about all debt. the clothes yet. <laughs> I haven't sold all the clothes yet, right? But even just starting one, you know, putting my money where my mouth was. I mean, seeing sales roll in, damn pretty damn pretty satisfying. I, I, I got to tell you, I felt pretty good uh, about just, yeah, seeking discomfort, going out and starting a company. I've never felt more alive and that validation of just getting the results from the hard work put in and the speed of which I ran through it. I'll talk about it more in another podcast, but God. See, I find it tough sometimes to feel that right away when I put out a song, mostly because nobody fucking listens. But well, you got to work on marketing now, you know? Oh, 100%. I've talked to you about this. Yeah, and well, yeah, that's, a, that's a, another discussion. But just in the general concept of like, I'm so proud of this creation with nobody listening to it. But as soon as I give people the chance to listen to it and nobody listens to it, it's like suddenly it's like, fuck, like start questioning it. And it's like, <laughs> but you put it out for those times when, when you know, I come back to it. Like, like when I'm 40 and I I go back and listen to that shit, and yeah. I'm like, I made that at, at 19. Yeah. Like that's like, yeah. that's crazy. And I feel like it's the same way with with starting any sort of venture. It's like you're always gonna look back at these products and and feel some type of way about them because yeah, this is the first time you took that that dive. Well, see, it's it's pretty funny because I think what was different between you and I is that well, mine had I guess more appeal simply because of our philosophies and doing it. You looked inside, yeah, right. Well, I looked externally to yeah, see yeah. what people wanted. 100%. And that's why I just tended to have a more positive reaction on my end because, well, I purposely was going for something that had a higher appeal. 100%. As opposed to you, it could be very niche. It, it could be very widespread, but that's a very particular issue. And I would never tackling. I would never make music for other people. You know, like, I feel like that's when artists lose their voices. When they, and like, I, I have no worry. Like, <clears throat> I listen to a lot of music. I fuck with my own shit so much. That's not a worry to me. Oof, the I worry. That. I love that. The worry to me <clears throat> is how, I don't know what the worry is to me. Cause like if, if I'm so confident in my stuff, I guess I don't want to be, I don't want to have it be perceived differently than I intend. And I always, that, and that hundred percent with music, especially. And so, like, how do I market myself in a way that, like, I just don't give a fuck about how it's perceived? And it's just, but, like, you know, like, when you're on TikTok, like, where do you stop? You know, like, what do you, what makes you be like, you know, and you're not a huge music guy, but, like, what, why, why, why should they care about me? You know, like, why? Like, clearly, I feel like I have a story to tell. Mm-hmm. But how do I get people to understand that without them giving the time of day to the music? You know, how do I give them seven seconds that'll make them want to go understand it? 
I mean, is that rhetorical? You you asking? I have me? no idea, dude. That's uh, the question. That's that's the dilemma. I'm not a musician, but you're a marketer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know what? Let me actually tackle this. Let me think about what I'd say. So I I, I would argue that based that the greatest appeal of what TikTok is is that it's essentially a um, more fun ad platform that you want to watch, right? Totally. The fun thing about it being short form is that you're getting little chunks of people's capabilities in their lives. And, oh, like, you obviously you wouldn't sit down for an hour, but, you know, 20 seconds, whatever. Uh, I would think that when it comes to music, what is the, what is the uh, sort of um, product offering? I would think that Entertainment, um, dealing with trauma, expressing a sort of feeling, expressing a vibe that people want to feel. So what is it that people want to feel? Well, different people want to feel different things. Like I love to listen to rap and because I, I love to be hyped. I love to feel powerful. So I'll listen to song with, songs with lots of trumpets in them. But I know other people want an outlet for their sadness. So they'll listen to music that's sad. Some people may want music that's relatable because they'll, like, they'll feel alone and they'll want something that they could relate to. You could do the TikTok thing where, hey, if you're feeling sad, but more specific than that, hey, if you're from Boston feeling sad, listen to this or, you know... Um, <clears throat> <clears throat> how <clears throat> this is like or uh this is for the dreamers or this is for the people caught in da, 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 it's done whatever. though it's done what do you mean it's done everybody fucking does that to me that's that's like the the for, how short form tiktok is and how passive people are watching it like for me like i yeah. kind of go past those videos you know so what i would say then is <clears throat> just because everyone does it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad thing. I mean, when, when it came to me first starting to market the clothing line, do you know what, what I did actually? I looked at, I, I looked at at shop full send. I looked at, at like the Yogi brand. I looked at at seek discomfort and I looked at how they <clears> did. <throat> and, I, and so but basically whenever you start doing something, there's four different levels of sort of, there's four stages of where you'll end up. There, uh, there's unconscious incompetence. There's conscious incompetence. There's conscious competence. And there's unconscious competence. Basically, right, unconscious incompetence. You don't even know what the fuck you're doing, right? You don't even know what you don't know. And you're just going through just trying to figure it out. I think at that point is where you kind of mimic what everyone else does, right? See what takes off, see and get feedback about what's happening, right? So then you can graduate from unconscious incompetence to conscious incompetence, where all of a sudden you go from not even knowing what you don't know to still knowing that you don't know a lot, but now you know exactly what you don't know, right? Okay, well, I've done this and this works. I've done this and this doesn't work. But now I understand that these people do this, but even but I don't know how to do that. But I'm I'm just aware of this. Yeah. Then you move up, and this can take years, right? But then you you go to uh, conscious competence. Where all of a sudden you, you've been doing it for a bit. You kind of know what you're doing, but it's taken like all of your like willpower to figure it out, right? But you're somehow managing, right? And it's working out pretty well. 
And eventually you graduate all up to the top, which is unconscious competence without even thinking about it. You are, you, you, you can do so much. I guess the best way to describe this is when you first started learning logic, right? You didn't know what the fuck you were doing. You didn't even know what you, you didn't even know which, which you didn't know, right? And maybe now you may not be all the way at unconscious competence, but there's a lot of things that you, without even thinking, you can do, right? And I think that you should approach everything you don't know in that same way. Totally. <clears throat> I think the hardest part um, for me and the the hurdle I've been trying to get over is the <clears throat> process of being so proud of the music and um, wanting people to hear it, but then being so scared of them hearing it and hating it. And then yeah. that dilemma um yeah manifests itself in me doing minimal to try to get people to listen i actually can understand that you don't want to you don't want to put all your heart in working hard to advertise because it's like because then people are going to see that i really tried and if i really tried and i really failed then that's gonna fucking suck okay to an extent yeah and just like i just feel like that the i'm i'm scared of the internet in a way like i like i post like some of the best tiktoks i've posted i've been so like i hate making and i'll like take them down like they'll have the most engagement whatever and i'll be like fucking i'm i and it's like i don't know there's a there's a silver lining there's a fine medium of like of doing things to get people's attention but to also like not like you know what i mean like it's like a lot of like lil dicky for example like his whole artist career was built off memeing himself like oh, from so his like, name it's like selling out no no just memeing himself like getting people to yeah. laugh at him to oh, get their attention no i hear what you're saying but i hear what you're saying about lil dicky but are you saying that it's is it selling i'm saying selling out I'm s- no no 100% it's it's just that lil dicky his entire brand was okay with being memed from his name yeah. to his songs, even yeah. if he was a talented rapper. And he yeah. leaned into that. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like I could be cringy as fuck and that could get me on people's radars. Yeah. But I don't feel like that matches up with the brand that I'm trying to do. Mm, maybe. You know, and I feel like yeah. for, for Lil Dicky specifically, it, it's sort of... rapper. Yeah, like it, it worked for him. And yeah. the... It's sca- like it, it would be scary for me to have popularity out of hate. Yeah. But sometimes that's what drives the most successful careers. I mean, you're right. And there's there's definitely other artists that have le- that have leveraged it. Like you I mean, I think of Doja Cat, I think of Lil Nas X, I think of for a bit Jack Harlow, and then he stopped because he, he felt he's being clowned too much, right? But I would argue that their music isn't funny but they leveraged memes to try and make them successful. And, you know, at the end of the day, you don't know. And you don't know. I, I think when it comes, I mean, I would say just do it. But when it comes to artistry, there's a lot that can not work out. And then if it doesn't work out and you miss your chance, you may never get it again. And I mean, at the end of the day, though, it's like the only thing you can do is Let's try. Let's try. Yeah, 100%. And try I will. There is... There's few things that I want more in life than a platform to share music. Um, yeah. 
I just think I have a ability to share my emotions that not a lot of people have. And it would be a disservice to myself to to not put my entire spectrum of emotion also into marketing. Okay. Well, <clears throat> and make it like take the same approach, you know, like Yeah. Well, yeah. How I best work and I think when you don't know how to do something, the best thing to do is actually to work within constraints. Set, you know, set boundaries for yourself and say, you know what, I, I'm going to give myself all these capabilities up until this point. Now, what could be constraints? Well, I'm going to post two tweets or two TikToks per week, mm-hmm. right? That's it. All of a sudden, that becomes a constraint. And you're going to say, well, I'm going to make sure I get eight hours of sleep every night. That's a constraint, right? And obviously, sometimes it may not work out. But if you really force yourself, you can get a lot further and it may not be the to the level that you thought it would, but doing it is better than not doing, doing it's better than always. Not. And I mean, we've been talking for an hour and a half, so I'll just leave on this one uh, idea that I learned. Ask yourself, what if it was easy? This is a big question that I feel has really helped me. This is what allowed me to get a clothing line in a month, right? What if it was easy? What if I didn't want to make this hard for myself and I wanted it to make and I wanted to make it as easy as I possibly could, right? Barring that it would come out, you know, bad. Okay, well for me it was, well, I could learn how to bake clothing from scratch or I could hire a designer. I could find my friend who knew how to make clothing, right? And I could talk to him. I could ask him how to, you know, how to find suppliers, how to negotiate. Oh, okay. When it came to marketing or photography, what if I just ask my friend? And obviously pay these people, right? But okay, I could probably get there faster if I pay these if, if I had this person do this and that. And all of a sudden, a call, you can leverage what they knew, and all of a sudden it makes your life so much easier. You're right. It's uh <clears throat> I think it's important to to learn from other people and to exhaust all possibilities in your network. And I feel yes, like sir. That's kind of the key to life. You're only the sum of the people you spend your most time with. And that's yes. why I'm glad I'm living with you, Mr. Uh, Ganell. Mr. Ryan. Mr. Ryan. Yes, guys. Your net worth is your network. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, so happy that you guys could be here for this episode. You know, let us know how you feel. If you're watching this on YouTube, leave uh, some comments down in the description below. Uh, comment. One day this podcast is going to be fucking legendary. Yeah. <clears throat> this will be up there. And that's today. Yeah. And yeah. it's up to me and Jalen to <laughs> to make this these clips of us when we were fucking 22. Yeah. Just grow with infancy it, as we, as it's we also, grow. Yeah. It's also like a, a hilarious ass public record. Like Hilarious. Dude. Like, hilarious fuck. Whatever. It is what it is. Right? For the love of the game. A, a, a t-shirt that is going to go on experientialclothingco.com very soon for the love of the game why do I do it for the love of the game like subscribe buy this guy's clothing yeah um, listen to his music it'll be down in the description down below but yeah take care y'all I'll see you in the next one have a nice night <laughs>